mastering your emotions so you can be a safe space for the feminine mm, is yes. actually to me the art of masculinity so i would think it means two things to me one it's always like in the eye of the beholder so realize that it's okay to have a different view than somebody else two it's always being created and recreated uh i i think it means an openness to growth an openness to learning an openness to looking at what is masculinity in me and having curiosity about what parts are serving me and what parts maybe aren't serving me so well anymore. And so the art of masculinity is truly that. If you can master being a lion and a lamb, you've mastered masculinity. The art of masculinity to me means knowing how to gracefully dance between both the feminine flow and the structure of the masculine. This is The Art of Masculinity with your host, Johnny Elsasser. Hey everyone, today's episode is with Rick DeJesus. He is the founder and lead vocalist of Adelita's Way, an independent American hard rock band formed in Las Vegas in 2006. Man, he has been around for about 15 years in the game of music and it is such amazing, amazing music they have put together through conscious lyrics, but also amazing musicians and talented to back that up. So this episode was really fun. And what I really gained from it was the fact that, you know, doing the right thing is not always easy. And those, especially in that celebrity realm or in the music industry, when you're looked at as an artist, doing the right thing goes against the grain. They want to do, they want to have you do what it is that they want you to do and to not stray from that or you don't get support. And I think that is a metaphor in life that we deal with today with people getting canceled for saying the truth or just having an opinion in general. So it was a very powerful episode learning that and how that has shown up in Rick to Jesus's life. But not only that, how that's showing up in male role models today that we are focusing on in media, social media and in the you know entertainment industry. So really powerful episode. Rick just absolutely crushes it. I enjoyed it with him. Such a band, such is such a great band and an honest human. So really appreciated everything that he brought to the community today. I know you guys are going to enjoy this as much as I did, and I'll see y'all around the corner. All right, everyone. Welcome back to the Art of Masculinity. Today, we have Rick DeJesus on here. Perfect timing. We're getting close to Christmas time. <laughs> so I love it. I love the last name. That's freaking awesome. If we're going Spanish, we would be, would it be of Jesus? Of Jesus. And I'm a man of Jesus. I love me. <laughs> I love it, brother. Uh, you're also... Um, you are just like, I'm really excited to have you on. I started listening to your guys' music a little bit, getting into this episode. And man, I am just, I am blown away. You guys have such phenomenal music. It is absolutely astonishing. And it's very similar to what I grew up with listening to, like Taking Back Sunday and stuff like that. And you guys have been doing this for 15 years. And I, have, I had yet to have stumbled across you guys. Well, I appreciate that. And we love new people finding out about us. And, and, and that's part of the game, right? It still excites us after 15 years to have new fans. And that's just part of what makes this amazing. You could be around for 15 years 
and somebody can just discover your music. So you got a lot of music to catch up on, man. We got like seven albums out. I know, bro. And I've listened to like, I was listening to, to just uh, some of your top songs yesterday. And I was like, I loved all of them. I was like, this is for, these guys are dope. And Adelita's way. It's like, you guys are literally the genre I was listening to growing up. So I was like, how did I not catch these guys anywhere out in California when I was like literally involved in that scene and constantly going to concerts and everything, man, it's wild. But here we are now. And I'm happy that I found you. It's because we were one of the first bands to get canceled by, by the, the, uh, the corporate uh, scenery. Right? We, 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 we were early cancelees, you know, before there was a whole movement. So we didn't, with the music industry and the direction of it uh and and they exiled us from uh the scene pretty early on but we were able to build a strong independent fan base we've been independent for almost eight years now and uh we actually are are larger now as an independent act than we were when we were when we were signed to a major corporation and uh we we just we didn't comply with a lot of of what you're seeing now a lot of things you're seeing now in, in media and in the music industry they use propped up artists and propped up celebrities to push their narrative, to push uh, what type of influence they want to have on generations. And we really didn't play ball at all. So we, we were, we were early cancelees of the music industry. You know, we, we got exiled pretty quickly. You guys are the OGs, bro. I love it. <laughs> well, um, we're going to, um, what I'm going to do is uh, well, I'm going to jump into what's called the manly round. Cause I want to get into that topic. Cause I, I, I read your op-ed as well. And it was a really, really well done article that you wrote. And um, uh, this whole, the whole cancel culture, the whole, basically like how they're using celebrities, how they're using musicians, how they're using artists in general to perpetuate very, you know, negative and toxic narratives. Like I definitely want to get into this. Cause I think having somebody of your ex, expertise being in that field for so long is going to be enlighten a lot of people, but let's get you through the manly round real quick. All right. The first uh, question you got is what is your spirit animal and why? Spirit animal. It, it's gotta be a, an Eagle because I'm, I'm a Philadelphia Eagle fan. I love freedom. I love to fly free. Uh, it's a connection I have with my father uh, who passed away. We, we, we used to watch the, uh, the Eagles together. So there's something within my soul uh, with, with an eagle because everything it stands for from freedom to to you know having that connection with my father growing up uh, over the football team so i'm gonna i'm gonna say say the eagle oh dude they're beautiful too and like they're cerebral hunters it's funny because i was uh, my wife's my mother-in-law has a house in wellsboro pennsylvania which is like the center of of pennsylvania up north towards new york and we they call it the pennsylvania grand canyon and every time my wife and I are hiking and riding bikes back there, we see eagles all the time, dude. They're just beautiful, beautiful. Well, I love that cerebral hunter. That's how I play my sports too. I'm very, very use this <laughs> down my prey to get to get to you know to find out the weak spot, and then I get on my attack. I love it. I love it. All right. So, oh, this is going to be a good one because you are a musician. You're a lead singer, so you can't pick any of your songs. So. Whenever a song comes on and you're out in public, so you're surrounded by millions of people, whenever this particular song comes on, which song is it that you have to start busting out and singing along to? Not just in your head, but you're like, man, you're actually voicing the words along with it. Oh, it's got to be, this is how we do it. This is how we do it. You know, <laughs> it's going, you know what I mean? 
uh, me and my wife play pickleball and, and I, and, and I always play that song when I walk up to the courts. Cause I'm like, it's the entrance music, right? I'm like, this is how we do it. Feel good vibe to it. I'm a rock guy, but you know, I can tell when a song gets me in some type of mood, you know? Oh, I love that. I love it. That's a good one too, man. You, you can't help but sing to that one. You know, absolutely. All right. And your last question is, Here's a fun one because we did already talk about celebrities a little bit, but if you could prank any celebrity or well-known person and you can go into the past too, so it doesn't have to be somebody present, but if you could prank anybody, who would it be? And if you know the prank, what would the prank be? I would prank Aston Kutcher for all the years of, of being told that I look like a, like a like a version of him right like growing up my whole life people like oh you 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 have this ashton kutcher vibe right so he had that show punk he was punking other people i'd give him a taste of his own medicine you know and for <laughs> when when he pranked justin timberlake with the irs where they were all his stuff where, where, where he, he went to his mansion and they were they were like bringing out his cars on, on, on lift beds. They were bringing his guitars out. I'd probably hit him with some form of back tax joke, you know, back tax prank. The <laughs> you know, you gotta I love that. <laughs> That's a really good one, man. Cause you do, you kind of got you. When you said that, I was like, Oh shit. He does look like he could be Ashton Kutcher's brother. That's for oh. sure. I was like, damn. All I heard when I was younger, when I was, when I was a youth, you know, I, I think I've, I've grown, uh, you know, I think the gray beard separates us now. I think his is still brown. <laughs> oh, that's good, though. Hey, man, you could look like we're, that's for sure. You know what? That's a compliment. Yeah, exactly. Good looking dude, man. Well, hey, brother, I want to jump in a little bit here because, uh, you know, I did an intro before this episode kicked off, so everybody got to hear a little bit about you. But uh, I want to hear from the horse's mouth kind of what brought you into the music industry? What was your path to even get there? You say that you grew up uh, playing baseball. Your family was Puerto Rican. So like what really pushed you into the, the music trajectory? Because that's not typical for that type of family um, from what I've seen growing up. Right. Music's in your soul. And I wasn't sure of it either. I didn't know what I wanted to be or what I wanted to do when I grew up. But uh, sometimes you get called to do something. And, and that, that's, I think that's one reasons that, that, that I feel so passionately about uh, using my voice to to help people come together to, to, to promote faith in God and to, to do there's got to be a reason that I've been put here right like when I was younger uh, in my teens late teens music just started consuming me out of nowhere I didn't know what I wanted to be I didn't know what I was going to do but I know I couldn't stop obsessing over singing and writing songs so writing songs was the first thing that I started doing uh, before even having an idea of performing or any of these things, right? It was all about getting a pen and a pad and writing songs. And, and you know, I found out that I had a gift uh, after I wrote three songs. I went, I snuck into a bar as an underage kid and I played an open mic night uh, in front of about 12 people. And after I played the open mic night, I got, I was waiting for a beer bottle to get thrown at me. And instead I got a standing ovation and I, <laughs> people after the concert to take pictures with me to sign autographs is the first autograph I ever signed in my life um and I, I want to say that 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 God put me here because uh I I just I had no idea this was going to be my path and but when I when I started feeling music uh, uh consume me it was in my late teens I put blinders on I dropped baseball I, I stopped 
uh, you know, focusing on anything except I had these blinders on to, to just start accomplishing my goals in the music industry and, and making, uh, you know, making a statement and, and getting out there and trying to prove that I was one of the best songwriters uh, that there was after putting in the work, right? You learn what time, anything that you do that you want to be great at, you got to put the work in. And, and I started at a young age as far as being in a band and, and I never looked back. Mm, that's awesome. Did, was there any like resistance from your family? Cause especially I, I know like baseball is such a big thing in general for, for kids. And so, especially coming from a Puerto Rican family where Puerto Rico is very good in baseball in general, was that something that caused any conflict when you were like, Hey dad, I'm like, I'm done with baseball. I'm going to go do this music thing. My mom was very supportive. I think my dad was a little disappointed at first before he had, you know, he, he hadn't, heard any of my songs he hadn't really heard me sing or do anything he just I just said hey I'm gonna be done with baseball but there was a little bit of disappointment until he started watching me do music then he was like okay like he's Mm. too you know but baseball for me was something I was very dominant at uh, uh, as a youth all the way through to my last year of playing I stopped playing when I was 20 years old I had the best season of my life my last year Um, I put up career statistics uh, but but there was a realization. I, I played at a Division One program, two of them. I went to Arizona State, and then I transferred to Temple University. And although I was a, a, a good player on those teams, uh, I, I got to see where I stood. Uh, and, and I noticed there were players that were better than I was. I noticed that uh, the, the likelihood of me being a top major league prospect were, were slimmer uh, than I had previously thought. You know, I dreamed of being a pro baseball player, but once I got there up to a, a Division One collegiate level, I realized that I was just the middle of the pack, kind of more towards the rear of the pack uh, as far as talent at that level. And, and you start having the realization that either you're going to start working even harder than you've been working, which I wasn't willing to do at that time because I had already shifted my focus to music, right? right. Like I'm, I'm going home at night and writing songs and my, I'm, I'm sitting at first base thinking about lyrics at that point. I'm, I'm, I'm like not even focused on the, you take a line drive right in the face. Cause I'm just like, you know, thinking about it. <laughs> I'm in, I'm the dude in the outfield chasing butterflies at that point, writing melodies and cannot be that if you're, Vision one baseball player, right? You've got to be like in the weight room. You've got to be dedicated. These pro athletes, what they do to put their bodies on the line uh, is absolutely uh, uh, just, I don't even know the word to use. It, it's just intense. You know, you've, you've got to be thinking about the sport all day, every day, from your diet to your workout, to your rest, to your recovery, to your, you know, you, you've got to look at your time. You know, if you got an extra 15 minutes of the day, you're sitting and waiting for something. You better jump out of the car and start doing some squat thrusts or something if you want to be a pro athlete. You know, you, you, there's no time wasted. Yeah. Well, I mean, but then I, but then you say that, and then I want to flip that on you and be like, Rick, you're a professional musician, bro. I that ain't an easy lifestyle either. You're dedicated to this. You've been doing it for 15 years, and you guys uh, are an amazing band. So to like, what does that look like for you when you made that transition? You're like blood, sweat, and tears into the music scene. And so what was like that for you to then change that um, sense of dedication to being like, no, this is like every single day. When I'm awake, I'm writing. When I'm like practicing, I'm doing all this stuff. How was that transition for you? 
Well, I, I took my college athlete mindset and I almost applied it to music, right? I did obsess over it. I did wake up first thing in the morning because, you know, you're most creative when you wake up in the morning first thing. If you wake up and you have a tea or you have a water, that's when your creativity is flowing the most. And, and I've learned to, to find the little details of, of having a clear mind to write songs. Yeah, I, I'm very intense about it, right? I, for, from my diet, it almost is like being a pro athlete, but as a singer, uh, from my diet to, uh, to, to the songwriting, to the touring, I take it very, very seriously, but it's almost effortless when, when, when you're this passionate about something, right? Like, and, and mm -hmm. struggle, getting in a van or, or getting in a bus or getting on a plane and traveling as much as we travel. There are people that that's hard for them. And for me and my crew, it's very easy for us, right? We can do a 14 hour drive, load into a show, prepare, stretch, warm up, get our minds right, get our bodies right and perform night in and night out. And it's almost very easy for us because we're so dedicated to being uh, top musicians or, or being the best at what we do. So it, the days are grueling, they're very long, but the fans make it worth it. So uh, every second of the day is dedicated towards making sure that the performance we put on each night is the best one that we've done yet. I still have that mindset, I'm 39 years old. I still think the next show is the best show. And I prepare my body and I prepare my mind and I prepare my voice like that's gonna happen. You know, I, I go out and I try to give on uh, uh, almost flawless performances because you can get off stage, you can assess what you could have done better. I still do that. I still get off stage and go, ah, oh, man, uh, I could have gave a little more energy in this section or I could have uh, uh, put a little more into this note or I could have did this, I could have played this song. I could. You can always go back, evaluate, think about where you can improve. And after touring for 15 years, I can still do that night in and night out to motivate me to put on a better performance than I put on the night before. Mm. Yeah, man. And that's like, you know, you talked about a professional athlete, but that's, you, you have the same mindset, brother. You just put it in a different place and it, it shows up differently, but it's just as intense, man. I can see it in you too. I can see the passion in you when you speak about it. It's that fires there, man. But I want to, I want to also ask you, because I really want to get into some of the things that we're seeing in today's society. But before we make that transition, I want to ask you, because of your experience and longevity in the music industry, what was maybe your guys's hardest time that you've been through as a lead singer of a band and obviously touring and balancing family lives and personal lives and trying to, you know, continually get fans. What was the, what's the biggest struggle that you can think of that you've gone through during this, th this time in your life? It's easy. I can, I can hone in on a moment right now. Uh, you know, it during our third record, uh, the record company wanted us to make a certain type of record. They were like, we want you to throw out your whole fan base that you've worked on. We want you to sound like this band. They wanted us to sound like other bands. Imagine Dragons was one that kept coming up over and over again. And, and I love that band. That's great. And I, I have a relationship with, with them a little bit too. Um, but uh, the, the record company essentially owed me a, a year's worth of wages. Uh, they weren't paying me them. They were withholding them from me. So I couldn't pay my bills. They weren't allowing me to work. It was a very, very abusive relationship. Um, and they wanted me to deliver a certain type of record that, that was out of character for us. Uh, and they weren't going to give us the funds until we did this. So this drug on for about eight months where I had to like borrow money from my parents. I was very depressed. I was very sad. Every time I would turn a song in, they would tell me it was garbage. And some of these songs ended up being hits for us, by the way. 
run, right? What, what I turned in and they said, oh, this is trash and ended up being successful for us. So it was just, they're in the middle part of our career, later part of our career. That was when we really started diving into the finances and seeing how, advantage, how, how much they were taking advantage of us. Uh, and it was numerous people across the boards. Uh, you know, our whole team essentially was uh, just kind of like siphoning money from us. So we were out there working nine, 10 months out of the year. I'm away from my family. I'm away from my wife and I'm coming home and I have nothing to show for it. I have no financial gain. I have no, you know, like the money was just going to everyone else. So these, these corporations, these managers, these, these music industry kind of like, like parasites, they, they find a way to get an artist like myself, like Taylor Swift, who obviously now generates so much income that, that some does trickle down to her, but they find a way to get you to go out do all the work, nine, 10 months of straight touring, of interviews, of being in the studio, of writing songs. And then, and then the return doesn't come to you. It goes to everyone else. And you kind of sit at the bottom of the totem pole and you wait for it to trickle down to you. You're like, Oh, can I get some, sir? You know, like you're, 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 you're in a position. And then, and then beyond you, I'm the singer and who writes all the songs. So then imagine what that's like for the drummer and for the guitar player and for the bass player. They're like, oh my gosh, like, can I just pay one, my phone bill? You know, like, like, yeah. hey guys, nine months out of the year, can I pay my phone bill? Like, it gets like that. And, and, and that was where, instead of just accepting that, uh, once we got to look into the numbers and the finances or everything, that's where we put our foot down. And when I put my foot down and I said, enough's enough, we're done. I'm going on strike. I want out of all these contracts. I want to be done with this. You know, they try to crush you from that point. From that point, when you say you've had enough, they don't just say, oh, you know, you worked really hard for us for six, seven years. Like, we'll let you go. Instead, they try to bury you. They try to ruin your career. They stop allowing you to tour with other artists. They, they try to crush you like an enemy. Now, all these resources that you think are on your side are now going against you. So you're going against this huge man. You're going against this huge label. And their number one goal is to crush your dreams at this point and make sure that you don't come out the other side and get to tell your story. Well, we came out the other side. We, we, we have uh, uh, 7 million fans right now on Spotify alone. Uh, we've, we've cracked the code. We're so blessed. We're one of the biggest independent bands in the world right now. We've built this over the last eight, nine years. Uh, and now we get to tell our story. So, uh, and now all the income comes to us. We're able to distribute it, uh, you know, out. I'm able to have a team of people that I, that I take care of. Um, and, and, and now I'm able to live a, a, very, a very blessed life. So I have no regrets. Uh, it's part of the experience. I learned from this all. Uh, now I get to tell my story to other artists. We also get to pave the way for any artist that doesn't want to be in that, you know, almost uh, abusive type relationship to where you're just out there, you, you know, kind of being a workhorse for somebody else's benefit. Mm, man. And uh, so when we actually look at what's going on today, we look at the abuse of the psychology of humans in general by these corporations, by the media and stuff like that. How does, th how is that playing into these artists today? Are a lot of these people being like forced to almost be puppets because they'd rather do that than lose like what you guys did go back to the groundwork and have to start over? Well, it just depends. I think the superstars make an agreement right off the top. You know, if, if, if you know, the Billy Eilish's, the Taylor Swift's right away, they, they sign the deal with the devil. They understand the assignment. And, and I think that they, they know that, that they've got to just comply. They know what they're there for. It's almost like a deal, like, look, I'll make you the biggest artist in the world, but these are the things that I need you to do when, when the time comes. Mm. 
sexualize young children. I need you to do that. Yeah, and they're and they accept that role, right? They're like, okay, I'm going to go for this. You know, um, it, it definitely is uh, very Hollywood, uh, the music industry. It's definitely very, very. Um, you know, look at who's leading the way. It's Viacom. It's it's the media companies. It's uh, the major, major corporation of the record labels is Hollywood. Who? What bands are the biggest? The ones that are getting the movie syncs, the ones that you're putting their songs in movies, Hollywood. Well, when they decide to hit the button on you and make you a huge star, you've got to comply. And if you don't comply, you find yourself uh, out of the out of the scene. You find yourself exiled. Um, and, and, and it's real. And they utilize these artists to get people to vote the way they want, to get people to uh, uh, almost fall into a program state of mind like, oh, Taylor Swift loves wearing a mask. I'm going to wear a mask. You know, Taylor Swift's four mm -hmm. times to get four boosts because she says it's safe. You know, like like people are starting to just ignore uh, the results. And, and that's a problem and ignore common sense. And, and, you know, we want to sit here and, and I'll just get into this real fast. Cause I don't want to, you know, you, you get called a conspiracy theorist for everything nowadays, but I live in Maricopa County and I watched election fraud happen here in Maricopa County. I seen it with my own eyes and, and they, they've just made it, uh, like, like it's, you're just a, an election denier, a conspiracy theorist, but it's real. Uh, and just to dive into that real quick, um, you, you know, they've conditioned us to not use our common sense. They've conditioned us, you know, it's coming out about the masks, right? Uh, it comes out of everyone trusts Fauci. They, they listen to everything he says. Well, the other day he just says, well, I have no proof that masks work, but I want you to put them on. And, and then people will put them on. Uh, so, so we want to think the point of what I was saying is we want to think that, that it's all fraud and that, and that, that pe these people don't have supporters, but they do have supporters. You know, uh, this Biden administration actually has people out there that are voting for them and love these policies. Fauci actually has loyal supporters and followers. You know, uh, Katie Hobbs, although she didn't campaign, uh, didn't leave her basement once, uh, didn't debate or anything. She has legions of supporters and and you've got to you've got to walk the line of just saying something is complete fraud and that no one voted for these people and and realize that that uh, some people have been programmed to uh, uh you know i guess stop using their common sense or the results you know like look at the vaccination like the results speak for themselves. You get four vaccinations, you still get COVID. I know people that still got COVID pretty bad. And then what do they do? They, they move the goalposts. They say, well, if you get the vaccination, COVID will be a little less bad. It's constantly misinformation. It's constantly um, uh, uh, just kind of conditioning us to accept mediocre results. It's like uh, we're, now we're accept, we have to accept the job that Joe Biden's doing for the economy right now because uh, you know, the goalposts getting moved. Well, guys, you know, uh, these are the new parameters for what life's going to look like now, uh, you know, so get used to it. It's like, nah, I'm not going to get used to it. I'm going to remember the good old days and we're going to get back to that. Yeah, brother. This, like you're speaking to my heart too, man, because this it's, uh, it's so sickening what happened in Maricopa County. I don't even live there. I have friends that live there. Um, I watch that as well very closely. Uh, it's very sickening what happened there. It's very sickening kind of the way that they manipulated information to look like the, the COVID and the vaccine and the masks were all legitimate and what they were saying was legitimate. But when you did background uh, researches on this stuff and they were very good um, medical researchers who went out, people who were doing this for 20 years and disproved masks efficacy within the first like four weeks of them telling people to put on a mask, but nobody wanted to listen to that. So it's very, I mean, you're speaking to my heart right now. And the, the fact that people are being manipulated through, like, this is where I really wanted to 
to dive in with you because the celebrity culture we're, we're the, the people today are being taught and you hit the nail on the head is that like, they're being taught that the celebrities are on a pedestal. And if they're doing something, I'm supposed to do it too. And that's how people are being manipulated. How do you see that playing out in the future? Because right now we're seeing this last couple of years has, has been probably the worst I've seen celebrities and artists um, weaponized in the favor of uh, a political misinformation narrative. Well, there's two things. They're, they're trying to take away the voices of, of, first of all, strong males, because that's what always leads the rebellion, if it ever gets to that point, right? Strong males lead the rebellion and, and have the support of amazing, strong females right behind them. You know, uh, family, uh, uh, family cohesiveness and people coming together is something they're trying to disband because that's where power comes from. Power comes from unity, families, communities. Um, that's why there's such an attack on free speech. Uh, the problem with the elites is and the celebrities is they don't have to deal with any of these problems that, that we have to deal with on a, on a regular basis, right? Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio doesn't care if eggs are 1099 uh, carton. He doesn't care if gas is seven dollars a gallon. Buy a Tesla or whatever car he wants. You know, uh, the celebrities aren't speaking for the civilians. The civilians are the ones that got to pay the bills. The civilians are one that got to go to work 50, 60 hours a week just to make you know, uh, ends meet. It's like no one wants to work their whole life away and have no savings. And that's what's happening, right? They're making houses unaffordable for the average American person. Uh, they're not lending money to the average American person. Uh, the average American person is spending a hundred hours to fill their gas tank up and then making a hundred hours that day at work. So it's, it's, there's a lot of issues. And then you have these celebrities who are up there telling everyone to do and telling everyone what they should do with their lives. And these people are worth 30, $40 million. They have none of the problems that we have. They don't have to deal with the crime in the cities. They don't have to deal with anything. They live, they live these plush lifestyles. But these are the people that they're giving free speech to. And they're not shutting down the, the, the celebrities that are following their narrative. What they're busy shutting down is all of us connecting to each other. They do not want normal Americans, normal civilians. They don't want the American people uh, uh, talking to each other about what's going on. They don't want the American people grieving about their problems. They don't want the American people connecting on every level and uniting on every level to, to talk about the true issues. Because what will happen in history when that happens is you start tarring feathering the government. You start tarring feathering the people that are running you into this into this hole that you're in, right? We're going into a, a massive economic recession here, and 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 we're giving a trillion dollars to Ukraine for a war, you know. You, but these same people three years ago were saying war is bad. Oh, you, you know, uh, anything to avoid a war. And now here we are, right in a war. All of our money's going to this war. My taxes are getting raised. Your taxes are getting raised. Like we already are all having a problem saving money, and now we're going to pay more towards some of these ridiculous spending habits of these people that are manipulating the stock market for their own benefit. Uh, you, you know, uh, politicians go into these situations worth $100,000, $200,000, whatever their base pay is, and they all leave worth 10, $20 million. Presidents go in there worth 1 million, they leave $400 million richer. You know, follow the money, do the math, uh, uh, and, and, you know, all the while their main agenda is to use media, to use social media, to use narratives, to divide the American people into two different sports teams, right? We're, we're Democrat or Republican. The reality is, uh, it's we, the people versus them. They're the ones that are constantly turning their back on us, the people, right? I, I just can't understand how some people are willing to accept what's happening. Uh, and, and, you know, a lot of people's argument will be, well, it's better than the last guy. Oh, I hate Trump so bad that I'll accept what's going on with this current administration. But it's like presidents come and go. Let's talk about history. 
right? Let's talk about history. Don't worry about the last guy. Let's stretch it out to history. Historically, are we in a good place right now? We're not. No, man, that's beautifully said. Yeah, and that, and that's just that's that is the crux of the problem. Is I believe that the, you know, obviously, we all, regardless of what side of the fence you are politically, we all have more in common than we have not in common. And the fact that the average person right now, especially over the last couple of years, has allowed the politicians to weaponize their own minds against them and against the people they love is is just an absolute insanity to me. And like you said, man, the fact that they're continually fracturing us so we can't unite because that keeps them in power. That's where we just really lose. We, we're really losing society. And in your op-ed, you, you refer to a, some of these things. You kind of allude to some of this stuff, but you take the focus of like these male role models because you you said it too, is that like men lead rebellions, right? And for everybody out there listening, go look historically. There's not a massive woman woman like leading rebellion it is done by men that's just the the nature of history so we're not speaking in in any falsehoods here this so when men strong men stand up and they keep that uprising to to be um the powers against the tyranny or the authoritarian uh the authoritative regime that is where powerful men seen and their witness and you in your op-ed annotate that like you know we're seeing this deterioration of strong men as men, male role models in this kind of sphere of artists and celebrities and athletes and stuff like that. And I wanted to dive into that a little bit because um, what you're seeing today, what's is, is that agenda to then for effeminate boys growing up or believe the agenda is behind that? No, it's all by design. It's by design to make sure that no one, no one refuses. No one, no one, there's no one say, say one day in the future, uh, somebody's doing something that, that, you know, an official doesn't like, you know, they roll up to them, whether it's a man or a woman, they start beating them down. What's everyone going to do? They're going to sit back and watch. There's going to be no strong figure to step in and oppose it or challenge it because, we're all being we're all being conditioned to fear to do that. We're being we're being conditioned to be afraid. We're being conditioned to sit back and be watchers instead of vocalizing or or acting. Um, we're, we're being conditioned to uh, put away our, our our ability to protect and to lead, and, and we're we're almost like hiding. Um, and you know what? Just to touch on 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 women and men, you know, no man is at his strongest form without a strong woman. So we we become the men we are. We we have the passion that we have to fight, to stand up for things due to the women in our lives. You know, um, that's what makes us stronger. That's what makes us a really really uh, a powerful uh, leader of a man. Right? You, you you don't have that without without an amazing woman behind you. So obviously. Uh, that's one of the driving forces, our families. And, and, and the bottom line is, I think that the world needs to know that there's strong males out here left. The world needs to know that there's a resistance. The world needs to know that we won't just accept being stomped on at every turn. You know, I, I'm, I'm disappointed. How does it feel to know that you just have to watch another election being stolen? You got to watch your taxes being raised. You got to watch mandates being forced on you got to watch that's just right now what happens in 10 years when they're when they're when they're storming through our communities what happens you know we, we've got to be aware of the possibilities you've got to look around at the world and see how every other country operates that we are the last of the, of the we are the free world we are the last of the mohicans here we are you, you know i think we take for granted our freedom we take for granted all the rights we have because in other countries they do not have these rights there are some great countries out there. I think people are fleeing to some of these countries 
uh, more than ever because we are not the freest like we once were, right? You, they're saying that other there, there's there's a list of five to ten other countries that now live freer than we do, which is insane, you know. Uh, uh, but with that said, there are also places like China that exists, North Korea that exists, like Russia that exists. It's like, is that what we want? Is that what we want coming over here? Absolutely not. And you know what? At the end of the day. Uh, I'm so proud of the people and the civilians of China for standing up to the Communist Party right now. You know, I'm, I'm afraid for them a little bit because they're a very aggressive regime, but somebody has to do this, right? right. One, of, one of the dreams in my lifetime that I'd love to see is the people of China be liberated and become free and be able to live the type of life that, that we've been blessed to live for so many years. And the last thing that I want is that coming over here. So uh, is that something that I'm willing to, right now I'm using my voice and I'm doing what I can to, to, to start okay. speaking. And if it continues to get worse, then then, then the strong men, you, uh, myself, uh, the people in my community, we might have to figure out what the next step is if, if this attack continues on our children or on our families. Yeah, and, and uh, very well said, because absolutely, right now, if you look happening in China, we're talking December of 2022. If you look at what's going on in China right now, it is absolutely atrocious. The fact that the way the government is treating their own people and the people are uprising, which is beautiful, but it's going to come with a high cost for them because they've been put into this position with the communist regime. So what you said is absolutely true. We don't want that coming over here. We wish the best for them to hopefully, you know, break the chains of that. But coming back here and we see the way that, I mean, the trajectory is that obviously the people in charge right now want to go to that direction. They're weaponizing the celebrities in a way that's influencing that. They're manipulating the young, uh, the young children right now. There's kind of this generation that is young enough to stand up, and this is us, young enough to stand up, but old enough to know better about what's going on, right? Like we fall into this like sweet spot. And for us, you're using your platform, obviously a uh, well-known artist, well-known singer. You're using your platform to stand up and be vocal about this. You guys got canceled because you guys weren't willing to follow the narrative years ago. Um, you stood up against that. What can we tell other guys out there to do to start being that, you know, role model, even maybe just in a small way in their own communities? Like, how can we give them permission and give them, not that they need it, but guys kind of sometimes need it. How can we give them a little bit of that? Hey, bro, we're, we're sitting here side by side with you. Here's some things that might be an option for us to, to peep a little more in your own community. Well, I think what we're doing is letting them know that we're here which is important. They don't feel alone. They've got to be themselves and that, that they can't be afraid to speak out about how they feel. They've got to, they've got to not be ashamed to be a strong, a strong male in a community, right? Because when the going gets tough, they may be the one that people run to. So I think everything starts with community. I think as long as you're, you're strong within your community, uh, uh, that's the beginning. As long as you're, you're, you're strong within building, uh, uh, whether it's a, a, you know, church family, church friends, I think uh, God is, the number one priority uh, uh, for a strong male, because that, that you know, it helps you kind of follow your path of what you know you're supposed to do. Right. You, you, it's God, family. Those are the two things that drive me to make sure that I'm uh, consistently, uh, you know, speaking out about these things, because I don't want to see the, the world go in more of a satanic Familyless direction. That's not the direction that I want my kids to be raised in. That's not the society I want them to be a part of. So, there, I want those males to know that we're here. 
there's a lot of us out here that we are aware of what's going on. We are prepared. We are speaking about it. We are talking to our communities about it. We aren't afraid to to say what we're thinking and and have people back, you know say things backlashing. You know, I'll make a Twitter post. People hate on me, and I'm like, have a good day. You know, I, I hope you learned something. Uh, can't be afraid. To, to, <laughs> and and at the end of the day. I think uh, another important thing to note is the United States of America is so big uh, uh, that it's impossible for, uh, you know, a a government or or, or these officials to keep tabs on everything you're doing. If you really feel the pressure and if things ever start really getting uh, so bad that we're that concerned, you can you can exile yourself from society. I think the cities are going to be where the targets are. The cities are going to be what's kind of taken over and run almost like that movie. Uh, what's that with V for Vendetta? It's going to be in the cities. Oh, but yeah. We could always go out, uh, have our own water source, have our own chickens, find a farm in Montana, in Idaho, in South Dakota, in Arizona. You can go out into the middle of nowhere. You can take yourself out of society and, and you can live a happy life that way. And, and that's what may have to happen in 10 years. In 10 years, if, things, if we do not stop this, this squeeze that's happening, and that we do not stop this constant attack on our freedoms on our free speech on our they're going after guns they're going after everything historically whenever a a government gets your guns what follows is not a good thing it's usually some form of massacre takeover we're blind to this right uh and and i understand that sometimes crazy people get a hold of guns but that's also been happening since the beginning of time so the good news is is if you're obsessing over this and government is ruining your life and and all this is ruining your life Go to a farm in the outskirts, get a water source, make that your life goal if you can't afford it yet, and and, and get off the grid. That's still possible. But if you're here in your communities, you got to speak out. You got to talk. You got to take care of each other. You got to look after each other. Um, that's another thing that, that, that I think is a problem, too. Uh, they're squeezing humans to being homeless. They're squeezing humans to have nothing, right? Some people are going to work. They still live in their cars. This is an absolute squeeze on the lower and middle class right now. And as communities, we can't take our eyes off of, 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 of our you know, fellow civilians that are, that are dealing with this. We've got to help. In your community, you've got to help the homeless. You've got to help people that are having a tough time. It starts with us. We can't just sit back and say, oh, well, the government's going to help them. That's not our job. The government is the one that put them in that position for the most part. You know, not everyone in the government's bad. There's a few good seeds in there that are trying to help people and, and the people of America. But for the most part, it starts with us. We are the answer. The, the, the people are the answer. You see someone that's homeless that needs help, you got to help them out. We got to stay within our communities, keep them strong. And that's going to be the answer to this. Yeah. And, you know, that couldn't be a more timely comment, especially with the fact that we're going to see a bigger downturn in our economy coming soon. And not to be all doom and gloom, but that's just really that's the fact and the economic prediction right now. So it's like, yeah, if you have the means and the ability to help, like you should be out there standing up and helping, especially as strong men, we should be getting out there and showing people that. And like you said, standing up in our communities, you can't be scared to be ostracized. You can't be scared to have somebody make a mean tweet about you or make a freaking comment on your post about you. Like who gives a shit? That doesn't matter at all. What matters is the fact that people see you doing what you're doing because there's plenty. I mean, Jordan Peterson, I love Jordan Peterson. That guy has been lambasted by the media, but you look at everything he said and everything he's done, he's let men know that there's more like him 
that have a platform that are willing to stand up for what's right. You know, you got him, you got uh, some of these other people like um, JP Sears, who he's gotten really big in his own right. Uh, Joe Rogan, he's, I mean, a lot of, he he's pretty middle of the road, but a lot of his stuff is like, hey, this is what's going on right now is very offensive to like society and how we want to live as human beings. And he gets criticized too, but you know what? You got to be willing to stand up and say those things and be willing to take the criticism, uh, the, um, size. So then you can actually let people know, Hey, you're not the only one. You're not alone. So I love that you, you put that out there. So as we're kind of like winding down here, you guys have a new single called new era, which is absolutely uh, a phenomenal song. I really mean so good. Was that kind of written in the vein of what we're talking about right now? Of course, it was written to kind of, you know, uh, hopefully unite people that are feeling the same way we're feeling. I was hoping it to be an anthem, written to be an anthem for anybody that feels that way, right? And and to break these chains that we have, understand that we we are free, we're living the dream. You know, all these lyrics that that, that came up, yeah, I'm speaking to the people who feel this way. And and another thing that, that, that I wrote the song for is to unite people. We're constantly arguing over these micro topics that everyone thinks, right? Everyone thinks, oh, if you're a Republican, you don't like gay people. Oh, if you're a Republican, you're racist. So if you're, they've got us programmed to be attached to these type of words when it's absolutely untrue. I come from such a culturally diverse upbringing that none of that phases me i love everyone but they've made these topics to divide us because they're so afraid of the people sticking together they're so afraid of us all having similar views you know like they make these arguments at every turn people are arguing over gas cars versus electric cars abortion non-abortion look it goes both ways if you want to wear a mask or you don't want to wear a mask that's your american right if you want to do drive an electric car versus a gas car that's your american right we've got to stop judging both sides we've got to come together understand that that some of us have different views and we've got to focus on the major topics that's happening economically there's major topics happening economically. You know, people, uh, uh, wages haven't grown barely o- over a course of, of some period of time, but but the inflation of homes, of, of vehicles, of gases, of, of the things that we need to live on our society, it's skyrocketing 40, 50%. How can that happen? Well, it happened because we're busy paying attention to these micro topics at every turn. We're busy arguing. There are people out there who are arguing over abortion that never had an abortion and are never going to get an abortion, but their whole, their whole vote is based on this policy. And it's like, no, how many times a week are you grabbing groceries? How many times a week are you are you getting gas? How many how many times are you paying your power bill per year? How many? Let's focus on the real issues here and stop arguing over these micro topics that cause us division. You know, they they've made it so. Oh, if you if you're a patriot, you love America. You must be against anyone that is that wants to get an abortion. It's like no. Look, I'm I, I'm a man of God, so obviously I have beliefs but if someone has to go through that there's no judgment here we're in america it's everyone's choice to go through the 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 life that they navigate right no one really helps me navigate my life i'm not going to go micro navigate anyone else's life that's our jobs we can't go micro micro navigating everyone's lives we can't be divided at every turn over these micro topics when the major topics or what we should all be focusing on together as a collective unit democrats and republicans have to stop arguing over 
micro topics like we're two, like we like one sports team versus the other, and we have to come together that we just like the whole sport of the world, and we have to start focusing on the major topics that are affecting both parties instead of getting into these little spatters over whether you like an electric car or a gas car more. It's like, I don't care. Either way, we're both paying the piper. The electric car drivers are paying their 30% increase on the energy that the government just did, and the gas guys are paying $6 a gallon for gas. Both of us got hoodwinked. <laughs> so true. It's so true. I couldn't have said that better myself, man. That's, that is where I think the epitome of all this lies is that we need to start finding more ways of using against the bigger things that are impacting our day-to-day -day lives, as opposed to these, you know, like you put it, these micro arguments that really have no impact or relatively low impact. They're just trying to show you a shiny thing while they do some other bullshit over here. Like you said, that's hoodwinking everybody, right? So it's like, it doesn't even matter. But I think that's a beautiful, a beautiful way of putting it. And I love that you wrote the song to actually epitomize like what that looks like uniting together, creating that anthem for people to say, hey, fuck all this bullshit. Let's start getting together and actually looking at each other as human beings again and start respecting one another for our differences as much as for our commonalities, right? Of course. And, and you got to notice the tricks that, that, that these people play. The media is very, very involved, right? So, so what's everyone talking about right now? Canceling. Oh, yeah. Everyone's talking about Balenciaga this, Balenciaga that. All the while, Arizona elections being stolen, right? In 2020, everyone's talking about Gabby, Gabby Petito. It's like, the girl was murdered by our boyfriend, but everyone's talking about it. What's going on during that period of time? They're probably raising some tax on us, right? There's these distraction mechanisms that they get everyone to focus on, talk about, discuss, and then behind the scenes, they do something maniacal to the American people, whether that's, that's pushing an election in a direction they want, raising some form of tax on us when we're already overtaxed. There's always something behind it, right? Oh, we don't want everyone talking about the $7 a gallon gas prices or the 30% energy increase on home power and energy. What can we, what can we get people to talk about? Well, let's get them to talk about Kanye West, right? We need them to focus on something else. We, we, we don't want them looking in our direction. So let's deflect it over to another direction as everything tumbles. We're about to go into the biggest economic recession in quite some time. It's happening. It's already underway. Uh, uh, historically, um, the, the numbers line up to say we're already three to four months in a recession and then it's going to and it's going to continue to go down. Now, some people will be able to take advantage of this. If you're financially savvy, you'll be able to increase your 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 wealth through this process. Um, it may take longer than than you would hope, because I think that this administration is that maniacal. They may they may wait five years to, to bump the stock market back up to really shake everyone out who's who's not involved in insider trading. Uh, but pe more people should be able to purchase homes here during this recession. More people should be able to get deals on things during this recession. It's the people that can stay afloat, rise above this, that are going to come out on the other side. And there is going to be a whole sector of people that fall off the cliff. Uh, and, and we need to be there to help those people when that happens. We need to be charitable. We need to be gracious. We need to be uh, uh, very selfless when this happens. When this recession comes, the shakeout happens and people fall off the rafts. We can't let them drown. Yeah. Gee, I mean, man, we're winding down here, but I have a question to that is, do you think they, they are actually, because you, you put it, you said they're, they're maniacal. And I believe the same thing. This administration is very maniacal. They're very calculated in what they're doing. It's very purposeful. And so do you think they're having this take place so they can create more of a lower income grouping that has to be reliant on government? 
Of course. Of course, that's yeah. the direction, right? They're, they've spent a lot of – this has been a long play, guys. You, you know, from if, if we want to get into the whole can of worms, over the, from, from the 50s or 60s on, we've been being programmed through media, through television, uh, to, to, to kind of like, uh, you know, fall in – they've been depopulating us by approving foods that, that should not be consumed. They've been putting Teflon on our pans. They've been doing – they do all these little moves, these micro moves – and of course, I think they're manipulating the financial market to create an entire uh, cratering of the middle and lower class right now to become, you know, grateful to get a thousand dollar a month check from them. You know, all the while it takes six, seven thousand dollars a month to live. You know, oh, it takes seven thousand hours to live a good life. We'll give you a thousand. You can live in a tent on the street. You know, it's like or, or, or into a trailer park. It's like, oh, thanks. You know, so yeah. but again. They, 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 they're, they're so greedy that, that some things, uh, you, you know, if, if you're on a certain side of things, their greed goes against them. If you can stay afloat during this whole situation, if you can hang tough, I don't know the timeline. It could be one year. It could be next month. It could be three years. It could be four years. If you can hang tough at some point, they always want to dip their hand back into the pot. So they crank up big techs evaluations they crank up and then they and then they clear their pot for themselves that's how some of these companies are worth 26 trillion dollars it's because they play this game over and over and over again they're like a slot machine mm -hmm. money taking everyone's money taking everyone's money you don't know when it's going to happen and then it's like jackpot you know so so the jackpot will come and if you're around when the jackpot comes you will change your family's life you will be able to be the next generation getting more real estate getting more stocks and bonds getting more you will be able to be in the mix and live this better life but if you're someone right now that's struggling to fill up your tank struggling to pay your rent struggling to buy your groceries for your family you know uh you're gonna get shaken out right now and and again it's very, very important that uh, in community, all the people that are doing well, all the people that are blessed, all the people that that uh, are fortunate, we've got to step up and, and make sure that we have we are a, a life raft or we, we show some love and support to the people that, that are really, really uh, in need. So it, it's just it's, it's going to be the American people that bail out the American people. And hopefully after we do that, we can start focusing on health all over the world because there's outside of our own country need to help. We're sending all this aid to Ukraine. Well, how about liberating the people in China? How about we liberate the people in Ukraine? How about we, we get rid of all the human slaves in the world right now because no one should live their life like that. So there's a lot, there's a lot that has to be uh, fixed in this world. I think the things that are trying to be fixed right now are not the right focus, not the right priority. I actually think they're working on the destruction of America. Oh man, this is you and I could go forever, dude. We're gonna. I'm next time I'm in uh, Arizona, we're gonna go have to have a drink together and hang out because this is a really good conversation. But I want to make sure that uh, I'm mindful of your time. So as we kind of uh, close down here, let everybody since you guys are independent, let everybody know where they can find you, how they can best support Adelita's way, support you guys on the road, support what you guys got going on. And we'll link all of this in the show notes as well, but just let everybody know where to, where to become loyal followers, brother. At Adelita's way everywhere, stream us, spread the word. Uh, word of mouth is so powerful. We tour the whole country once every year. So come out and check a live show out, buy a t-shirt. We've got it all. We've got online stores. We've got Instagram Adelita's way, Facebook Adelita's way, YouTube Adelita's way, subscribe to our YouTube page. And we're very vocal and we're very, very active with our fans. So if you follow us, uh, uh, you'll be able to be connected to us and, and, and have up to date on everything we're doing. 
So appreciate you so much, Rick. Your last question before we hop off is, what does the art of masculinity mean to you? Well, the art of masculinity—it's an like we talked about—it's an art finding uh, the strength within yourself, and 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 you know, it's an art to conquer fear, and it's an art to take on fear. You know, if you're not afraid of something, there's no accomplishment in conquering it. So sometimes that fear is a good thing, but you got to take it on. You got to, uh, uh, you know, you got to dig deep within yourself, find that. Uh, uh, that masculinity, find that ability to not be fearful, being strong and stepping up to the challenge. You know, nobody wants to, to, uh, to do something that's difficult. Nobody wants to, to dive into, to, you know, freezing water with sharks to save someone drowning. But sometimes you got to just dig deep and, and, and pull out the man and the masculinity in yourself and take on a challenge. So, you know, the art of masculinity is, is really understanding that, uh, Fear is something that that is a challenge. Uh, when you conquer fear, that's something that's you can be accomplished after you get it done right. Nothing great comes without having to take on some form of very difficult challenge. So the art of masculinity is uh, challenging yourself. It's a very difficult challenge. Digging deep within yourself to find that strength to persevere. I love that, brother. Appreciate that. Well. Thank you so much, Rick, for being on here. And to everybody listening, as always, remember to drop the ego and stay humble. See you next time.